And good morning, everyone. Welcome into a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. So happy you're with us. My name is Steve Cashel. Joined this week, filling in for Dr. Brian Cole, is Dr. Nick Verma. He is the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, one of the team physicians for the Chicago Bulls. He is also a sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Doc Verma, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Well, good morning. Appreciate you joining us and filling in. We've had this uh, opportunity before with you. You've done a wonderful job. And, hey, I want to jump right into uh, Chicago White Sox, okay? We're still, you know, it seems like, what, a couple weeks away at least, maybe a month from the pitchers and catchers. Um, February 12th. Yeah, that's really something. But what a job that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf have done with the uh, additions for the White Sox, Grandal and Keuchel and Incarnacion, to name a few. Um, but, Doc, on a sports medicine side, you being the head team physician, tell our listeners what goes into when you're about to sign a free agent, right, um, the medical aspect of that. You know, what, what, what do you do to make sure these guys are healthy? Sure. Well, first of all, hats off to those guys. I mean, what an incredible offseason. Tons of optimism, I know, around our team, but also just around Chicago in general. And it's, it's just nice to be excited about White Sox baseball uh, coming up for the spring. Uh, as you know, Steve, as you pointed out, it's been a uh, busy offseason for us, and uh, there's a lot of work that goes into those uh, types of player evaluations. Obviously, it starts on the management side in terms of identifying a player. Uh, you know, they do all the identification of the needs of the team and what they're looking at, initial discussions with the agents, et cetera. But the medicine part is a, is a, a big aspect of it. So just generically speaking, what we essentially do is once they have identified a player or a group of players in a, in a position as a target, we go back and do a full review between myself and Brian Ball, the head athletic trainer. Um, we look at all of their medical records. We go through all of their prior imaging studies. We look at things that have been done in the past, if they've had any surgeries. What have there been their active issues? Have they spent time on the injured list? Um, and then we usually have the opportunity to review some of their imaging studies. That's very helpful in terms of looking for things that may indicate an injury risk going forward. And then we put that information together and we give a summary report to uh, Jeremy and Rick and Kenny and just say, here's what we're seeing. Here are the things that have been an issue in the past. Here are the things that could be an issue in the future. These are the things you need to be aware of from a medical side if we sign that player. And then those guys take that back to the table, put everything in the equation together and obviously come up with a final decision. Well, that's great. That's interesting. Again, Dr. Nick Verma this week filling in for Dr. Brian Cole. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Our producer is Shane Reardon. So, Doc, um, one more on that along those lines. Um, some of the players returning now, is, is that just a constant throughout the offseason, making sure that these guys are back healthy if they had a surgery right after the season, uh, going through and making sure that they're ready to go come spring training? It is, and it, you know, it's a really not a process that starts now. It's a process that started way back in the end of September when we did our exit interviews, identifying things that were an issue during the season. Uh, we generally have a long list of imaging studies that get done at the end of the year to kind of keep tabs on where players are. As you pointed out, some may need some off-season things done, either injections or in rare cases, surgery. But then hats off to our athletic trainers and our strength and conditioning team because these guys take a short break. But, for example, the strength and conditioning guys, they're on the road. They're visiting most of our players two, if not three times during the year, keeping track on what they're doing, what their rehab progression has been like. We have um, some of our players already in Glendale for early spring, basically, who are starting to get some work in. So it's a year-round process. And uh, as 
professional sports have matured. And as the medical side has matured, the nutrition side has matured, the strength and conditioning side has matured, the player understanding of what's involved in keeping their bodies in, in proper playing shape um, has matured. You know, it really has become a, a year-long endeavor in terms of doing what we can do to keep these guys healthy. It's funny because I guess when I was growing up, I always heard that these guys in the offseason, these major league players had insurance jobs and different, you know, off-season jobs, and they went to spring training to get in shape. Those days yeah. they're over, right? They're, they're over. I mean, these guys will <laughs> shut it down for maybe four weeks. But okay. by, you know, we were done in September. They'll take October off. November, they'll start their conditioning work. And by January, um, most of our, our pitchers are starting to throw again, just get things loosened up, warmed up a couple bullpens, and uh, make sure they're ready and tuned up for spring. Wow. Great stuff. Okay, let's switch gears right now. Again, uh, visiting with uh, Dr. Nick Verma, filling in this week for Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel. Tevin Coleman, a 49ers running back, uh, suffering the injury last Sunday in the NFC Championship game, and that 49ers win over the Green Bay Packers. Shoulder dislocation, they were able to reduce. I want you to explain what that is because I read that and explain to our listeners what that is. But uh, they're hoping that he can play in the Super Bowl. But my question, Doc, is what are the factors that would make the shoulder dislocation a more serious injury? So just to define this, you know, uh, uh, the shoulder is a ball and socket joint. And so a dislocation essentially means that the ball comes out of the socket. And for those who watched the game, uh, there was a, a picture or a video feed where he was being driven off with the team physician, essentially holding his arm down by the side, supporting it. And that was a pretty good clue to those of us who have some experience in this realm that his shoulder was dislocated. And essentially what they did is took him back to the locker room, got him calmed down and relaxed. Sometimes we'll use some medications to enhance relaxation. And then you've got to, quote unquote, pop the shoulder back into place. That's usually pretty easy to accomplish in an acute situation where you're getting to the injury within two to five minutes. Very painful? It's painful, but once it goes back in, it's an immediate relief. The harder part is for those of us who don't have an athletic trainer and two physicians and an x-ray within a two-minute cart ride away because they've got to go to the ER with their shoulder dislocated. They've got to wait in the outpatient waiting room, get an x-ray. That's when it really becomes difficult. But if you think about the injury itself, essentially when the shoulder pops out of socket or the, or the uh, ball comes out of the socket, there's always an injury to the lining of the socket. We call that a labrum tear. So that happens universally when these shoulders dislocate. Once the shoulders popped back into place, there's a short-term issue and a long-term issue. The short-term issue is, as you said, resolving the pain, making sure they get their motion back, making sure they get their function back. And I think given the short turnaround of two weeks, the biggest issue for Coleman is going to be does he get the arm functioning well enough that he could be productive on the field? The longer-term issue is then, does the shoulder dislocate again? And so I think the bigger decision is going to be, we know in these uh, contact athletes that recurrence rates can be upwards of 50%, meaning one in two or more will have the shoulder become recurrently unstable. So I think the biggest decision they're going to have to face is if they get him to the Super Bowl and he's able to play at a competitive level, is do you then take him to surgery and stabilize the shoulder afterwards? Now, some things that may change that equation are, for example, sometimes when you dislocate the shoulder, you can have a fracture. You can have a fracture either on the ball side or on the socket side. If you've got a fracture, he's probably done, and the Super Bowl's out of question. Now, that probably would have been reported by now because, obviously, the imaging studies in in professional sports get done very quickly, and at least the word out of San Francisco is there's still an opportunity to play. So I think that's an unlikely scenario. But that would be the one caveat that may change uh, our prognosis in terms of definitively ruling him out or saying we're going to try to rehab him as quick as we can and see if we can get him back to play in this one final game. Great stuff. Let's move on. 